Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor, and this is Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, be it blunts, be it bongs, be it joints, be it anything marijuana-related, smoke it if you've got it, my friends. And... You know, I said we, but this <laughs> this is a solo podcast this time. This is going to be a new one. I, I, I did do a bonus round solo, but, you know, that's a bonus round. Those episodes are like unedited bullshit, right? This is like a, not a numbered episode, but this is like a main episode. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's another game launch episode. We're going to be discussing a brand new game that just came out. Um, it's been about two weeks, but... I, I still think that that's still pretty fresh, so we're going to do a spoiler-free review on Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. And let me just start out by saying, obviously, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that everyone on this podcast is a huge Zelda fan. Um, we, we love Zelda. It's great. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite. It is my favorite game series of all time. I mean, hands down. And I am on record saying that Hyrule Warriors, the original game that came out for Wii U uh, and was then ported to 3DS for the Legends Edition, or, or for Hyrule Warriors Legends, I should say, and and then the Definitive Edition on Switch, is uh, also an awesome, awesome, awesome game that I thoroughly enjoyed. I had so much fun with. It's not something that I normally think that I would like. It's my first... Uh, it was my first installment of it's my first muso slash warrior style game and you know i loved it you know and it basically is that it's a dynasty warriors game with zelda characters and they even managed to throw a little bit of zelda concepts in there and if you want to hear more about that there is a bonus round episode out on uh video game recommendations and that game is mentioned and i talked about how much i loved hyrule warriors and i've always wanted to do an episode on hyrule warriors and i think that's actually what we had planned as our next zelda title uh as kind of a you know a spinoff zelda that we were going to do but um now that this game came out maybe not necessary so age of calamity is out it is the sequel to hyrule warriors the original game but also a prequel to the legend of zelda breath of the wild Unlike the original Hyrule Warriors game, this game is canon. There is some debate about that, and I'm going to try to keep this spoiler free, so I wonder how much I can say about it, but 
yeah, fuck it. Everybody knows. I mean, it, it's pretty much obvious. It's in the first, you know, it's in the first 30 seconds of the game. Like, you find out what's going on here. So this game, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, if you want to know absolutely nothing about the Hyrule Warriors <laughs> Age of Calamity storyline, then by all means, don't listen. But I, I, this is very, very minor spoilers. It's all over the internet. And it's, like I said, it's within the first, you know, minute of playing the game. But it does take place in a separate timeline. So this game was originally advertised as the prequel to Breath of the Wild, which it is in a sense, but um, telling telling the story of how the champions and Link came to their tragic fates, as you know, as as explored in Breath of the Wild, or as mentioned in the backstory and lore of Breath of the Wild. This game is an alternate timeline. There's time travel shenanigans. And again, from the very first scene in the game, that happens. And this was in the demo as well. So uh, essentially, due to time travel shenanigans, this is now occurring on a separate timeline. So it's leading some to wonder about the canonicity of this game. Why would... And I guess that's the first thing I'll address is, why would Nintendo call this game canon if it's canon that doesn't affect the Zelda timeline as we know it. Of course, anyone that knows the timeline would understand, of course, that there are already multiple multiple timelines within the, the Zelda timeline, right? We have an entire Zelda multiverse, and Ocarina of Time splits the timeline. And anyone that's... that, I'm going to put this out there. I like the Zelda timeline. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I was actually extremely excited to see Nintendo finally put an official timeline in. And yes, we have all heard the legend theory. The idea that the Legend of Zelda is just uh, a story that's told over and over again, and there's minor changes, and and that's why. And there is there is no timeline because... You know, it's just the same story being told in different ways. Okay, we've all heard that. People have been saying that for years, even before the official timeline came out. It's nothing new. If you want my honest opinion on that theory, I think it's a cop-out. I think it's a shitty theory. I don't like it. Because eh, part of it I agree with, but you're taking out so much of the lore and what makes the Zelda story meaningful. All right? People, you can say what you want about whether you like the official timeline or not, but... Certain games reference other games explicitly, you know, um, in some cases explicitly, in some cases more implicitly. But the split timeline theory has been around long, 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 long before the official timeline came out. Wind Waker was built in mind with that. It's in the backstory. Specifically, it mentions the hero of time was gone. Why was the hero of time gone? Because he traveled to a different timeline where those events didn't happen. Right, So Nintendo was well aware when they developed Wind Waker, when they developed Twilight Princess, that they were in separate timelines. This has been known. This is nothing new. The only thing that the official timeline introduced was the third timeline split, which was the Fallen timeline. And yes, that does seem a little bit cobbled together. I know we did some timeline theory in our Breath of the Wild review early on in Season 1. So I, I went into this a little bit. But I, I think they fit it in as best as they possibly could. And they answered some fan questions. Because we've all known and we've all been theorizing about the timeline. So if you like the legend theory, if that's your take on the series, is that it's all just a legend that's being retold and that makes you happy, stick with that explanation. But there are some of us who actually do enjoy the lore that's behind it and do enjoy the way that different games can some games are direct sequels to other games. I don't think that part's disputed, but 
obviously like games like Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, and Twilight Princess do in fact take place in separate timelines. I mean, that that's established. There is an established connection between those games. Skyward Sword takes place before all of it and explains why Link continually reincarnates. So if you're saying that, okay, yeah, the, it's just a legend that's being retold over and over again, then what's the point of Skyward Sword? What's the point of the origin story of explaining why Link and Zelda and Ganon continually reincarnate? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, and like I said, this stuff is mentioned. Twilight Princess, Link meets the hero of time. The hero shade is the hero of time from Ocarina of Time, right? And he specifically mentions he's a descendant. The hero of time is directly referenced in The Wind Waker. And it's mentioned that that Link is not a descendant of the hero of time, but he's a reincarnation. So, um, that out of the way. That's all I'm going to say about that. I guess the timeline isn't so much important anymore because with breath of the wild essentially nintendo did and i we mentioned this in our breath of the wild review but essentially nintendo did the best thing that they could to appease all fans people that liked the timeline and people that didn't they're saying yeah the timeline is still canon everything that happened is still there but breath of the wild happens to exist in such a way that it's it's in the way you know we explained it in that in that episode was it, it's a it's a convergence of all the timelines right because it could happen, as Nintendo put it, in any one of the timelines, which means it happened in all of them, essentially. The, 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 the underlying premise here, the, the, the subtext, is that within every single timeline, the downfall timeline, the child timeline, the adult timeline, at some point, all of the events of every other timeline occurred, or similar events to them. So Hyrule was flooded, um, Hyrule was blanketed in twilight, um, Hyrule went through a downfall period. All of that happened in some way or another. History repeated itself. Call it the age-old trope of time always repeating itself, even with when time travel intervention is, is applied, or call it the Triforce, or whatever you want to say. But time eventually, in some way, repeats itself. And so Breath of the Wild takes place in such a long period after the timeline that every event in every timeline or a similar event happened at some point so we can make references it is a curve convergence point essentially that being said okay now age of calamity and i just want to get this out of the way we're going to talk about the gameplay i just want to get this part out of the way <laughs> we're on a top we're on a tangent here but isn't that what this podcast is about right so age of calamity is is um takes place the hundred years before breath of the wild but a time-traveling guardian, again, this is in the very opening scene of the game, travels back in time and prevents those events from occurring. So now Age of Calamity exists on a timeline where essentially the calamity is either being averted or is being majorly changed, and the events are going to be different this time. So that out of the way... That's what we're going to say about the story. I'm going to try to keep it spoiler-free from here on out. But um, addressing whether the Age of Calamity is canon, that, that's where we got started on this, right? Nintendo says it's canon, so it's canon, right? And I think this is really more of a... What am I trying to say? This, I mean, it's just kind of... It, it's nitpicking, right? Here, here's the best way that I saw it put. And there's a Reddit post that I saw that was really good that went into it. Age of Calamity is canon that conveniently doesn't affect other canon. So it's canon in name only because 
the events don't actually affect anywhere else in the timeline, and they're not likely to. Right, the events that happen in Age of Calamity are not likely to be to affect Breath of the Wild two or any future Zelda games from here on out. In fact, with Nintendo basically doing what they did with Breath of the Wild and essentially rebooting the timeline while making sure, while keeping everything canon, means that they're probably trying to move past it in the first place. So don't get hung up on the specifics. Um, you can think of Age of Calamity however you want to. I will say this though, due to the time traveling nature of this of this game and due to certain characters entering the story as a result um these characters either have to return to their original timeline in which their memories of this event would 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 remain intact or these characters return to a new timeline and are thus missing from the original timeline so make of that what you will but i think that there could be actually an effect on the breath of the wild sequel being that the certain characters, I'm not going to spoil who, certain characters that travel from the past or tra- tra- travel from the Breath of the Wild timeline to the past and are involved in Age of Calamity are going to have to answer for that one way or another. They are either A, return to their original timeline somehow, which usually doesn't happen in time travel fiction, but somehow magic let them be there and so they have memories of the events and they're there, or B, they're going to be completely missing. And we'll, we'll, we'll notice that. So that's that's my take on it. I think that this may actually have some effect on the canon. But barring that, all right, it it's easy to get caught up in it and think. But like I said, if both the child timeline and adult timeline are canon and occur in separate timelines, then Age of Calamity can occur in a separate timeline and still be canon. But because no other games exist on that timeline and probably no other games will exist on that timeline, then it it's kind of a moot point. So I enjoyed the story. I, I understand that what people were hoping was the exact untold story of Breath of the Wild and, and seeing the full tragedy and just the idea that this could possibly be averted and we don't have a great calamity with everyone dying may upset some people, but I... I really didn't think Nintendo had the balls to do it in the first place. It kind of surprised me that that's the story that they were going to tell. And so as soon as we found out that's not the story that they were going to tell, or as soon as there were hints of that, I think a lot of people were disappointed. But I, I will say this. I've played through the entire story, right? I enjoyed it for what it was. I really did. I really thought it was excellent, and you should check it out. And if you don't buy the game, um, I would play some of the... Uh, I would watch some of the playthroughs of the story. Some of the dialogue is kind of cringy. I mean, it's it's not like a masterpiece or anything, but I think that I was emotionally invested in the story. I definitely teared up at one point at the end. And I, I, I do think that the story was interesting. I liked some of the twists and turns and, and the way that the narrative went. I thought it was excellently done. Um, I, I do think that there was a heavier narrative focus here than there was in Breath of the Wild, which one of the things that Breath of the Wild was criticized for was kind of having a lack of a, of a plot that directly affected the game like other Zelda games did. Just due to the nature of the, you know, the open world nature of the game and, and the fact that the entire narrative is essentially in the past and it's just like rediscovering that. So this game is definitely a much more linear. It follows a story. There is a main quest. However, there are a plethora of side quests. What seems to be the difference between this and the original Hyrule Warriors 
in terms of that is that everything occurs on the same map now. So in the original Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors, you had your linear story, which was just one event to another. And there wasn't a map or anything to go through. There was just a sequence of, of different battles to fight. And, and you most players, I would think, kind of just went through the way through the story and then tackled adventure mode, which was separate afterwards. Um, or maybe kind of in between some story segments. But generally, you focused on the story first. And then after that, there was adventure mode. And there was so much content in adventure mode that you may spend more time doing that than the actual, than the actual campaign. So in this case, adventure mode and the story have been kind of combined. And, and I think that it's done to better effect here. Because in between story missions now, you'll have a bunch of side missions opening it up. And if you want to go ahead and just go to the next story mission and finish it, you can. But for instance, you know, for me, I kind of took my time and I played side missions as they came up. You know, if I got to a point where I just really didn't want to, or if I think towards the end, I really was trying to kind of finish up the story. So I have a lot to talk about. At that point, I would kind of skip ahead. But for instance, in order to make sure that your characters are leveled up for the story missions, you know, to be the correct level so that, you know, you can you can play through the story missions and not have a difficult time and you can be on the recommended level. It's recommended, you know, to go through and play some of those side missions. And those side missions also allow you to test out some of the other characters. Because during the story, you're more than likely going to kind of main some characters. And there's a point where, okay, you can only choose, you know, one to four characters per mission. Right? So, and, and you get to a point where you're going to have a lot more characters to choose from and so some of your characters are going to feel neglected like there are definitely some characters that i played their training mission and i never played through them again <laughs> i mean it's it's happened or or i you know i played missions that they were exclusive to so my advice to you would be if you can try to play around with all the characters they all have really unique move sets and that's another thing that this game did really well and the original hyrule warriors did well as well was that every character had a very unique move set and and they even managed to move beyond like just having every character every move of theirs being an attack and having characters who have specific play styles there were a lot of those kinds of characters in the original Hyrule Warriors you know like you had characters like Xant or Young Link um or Fi who had just different mechanics to their move sets that made playing as them, you know, completely separate. That's done to even more effect in breath and in, in Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Because we're dealing with a lot less characters here. So every character feels completely unique and every character has a different play style. So you're not just gonna be going in and I, it's a hack and slash game. That's the core concept, but there's so much strategy that goes into each character's play style that I think some of what Zelda players are are you know find appealing in zelda games is going to be present even in hack and slash gameplay there's just a level of strategy to the way you know and even link himself has three different move sets he's got one-handed weapons he's got two-handed weapons and he's got spears and yes obviously once you get the master sword you're just going to stick with that and play the, his one-handed move set which is you know honestly the best out of his playstyles. and link's one-handed move set is my favorite link with the master sword is my main but his other move sets are, are pretty cool and they are very distinctive and, and it's going to be like playing you know like in the original Hyrule warriors playing with different weapons 
did mean playing as what what is essentially a different character. They have a completely different moveset. So in this game, the only characters that have I don't think this is too spoilery. The only characters that actually have different movesets that have different weapon types are going to be Link and Zelda. Every other character has just their one weapon type. So far, we'll see what happens with DLC. I'd like to see, more so than adding new characters, I think the best course of action would be to introduce new weapon types for each character. That would be cool. Link himself is actually unique among all the characters because every other character has basically what they had in the first Hyrule Warriors, they have three tiers of weapons. So they're, they're that, you know, fit that, that certain moveset. And they have, you know, there's three different tiers. And, and the idea of collecting multiple different types of those, or multiple copies of those weapons with different skills attached um, and, and different uh, attack values has been maintained, but the system is very different. And I, I don't know how else to explain it without going too in-depth except other than just playing it. There's a whole new fusing system that's reminiscent of Hyrule Warriors, and people will remember how that went, but there are some differences, and it is pretty cool, and you'll just kind of have to play around with it. You know, for me, I had a good time with the game not getting too technical and worrying too much about weapon skills, but kind of just picking a weapon for each character and letting that be my main weapon and infusing everything to that and and just kind of building up weapons and then just playing with those characters and finding what works with their play style as you're playing as them, right? So I, there's a lot of that involved. And even if you're not, you don't want to get too hardcore and you're like me and you don't want to really specify too much and worry, you, you don't have to. Um, you can spend time and, and just, just develop one good weapon that feels right, you know? So that's what I did. Again, Link with his Master Sword is my bane. Link is, like in the first Hyrule Warriors game, Link is a much higher level than every other character. If I have another favorite, and this character has been everyone's favorite on the internet, Impa is really, really awesome. Again, Impa is one of the characters that was referenced like right away when the game came out has been marketed. She's in the, you know, very first level of the game, so that's not too big of a deal. I'm not going to spoil some of the characters that are in the game that have weren't have are not in any promotional material. That's what I'm going to stick away from. But uh, Mifa, uh, <laughs> a fun character too. Impa is also a really awesome character that can just completely destroy. And I bet if I leveled her up really high. I mean, it probably would have been a breeze. She she has a really, really cool moveset that you, you kind of need an explanation on, but once you get the explanation on that, you'll be able to play as, as Impa, and it's actually really great. Um, Zelda uh, wasn't as crazy about her as a character. I thought that um, her lack of... of her, her, her lack of long combos kind of makes it difficult. There's just a general lack of combo with Zelda. Like there's not a lot to do with her in both of her moveset types. And and I never really I never really got used to her play style, but there are some cool things about her character that make her fun to play as in missions where she's there. And there are definitely story missions where, you know, Zelda's going to be a required character that and or Link's going to be a required character or they'll be just the the one that's set up. But for most of the story missions you can choose. And then there are even some characters that you'll unlock through side missions that you can bring into the story missions. And so at any time you can unlock those characters and have them there. And, and, and just like with the first Hyrule Warriors game, there's enough side mission content that rivals the story. You know, there's plenty to do. It's just all in one map now, which makes everything so much easier. You just boot up the game and there you go. You don't have to worry about selecting a different mode or, or any of that. You just go straight to the map. 
and what's even cooler is that you know all of these side missions are are kind of implied to be canon to the story because there's certain characters that you're not able to select during those missions so I, I, I will say I think even the post-story content I think is, is meant to be canon. Mm, well, maybe not post-story because I know there's some characters you can unlock. But and all the side mission content that happens, I, I think, is, is actually meant to be canon or, or maybe not exactly the way that we're seeing it. But <laughs> it, but it is pretty cool. I enjoyed it. The, the game actually borrows a lot more heavily from Zelda this time than the first Hyrule Warriors game did. In fact, it has less of a Muso slash Warriors feel than 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 the previous game did. So if that's not really your flavor, you might actually still enjoy this game. One thing that, that that's pretty much been done away with is is keep management. Actually, keeps are called outposts in this game. And outposts were something different in the first game. And I don't know what they're like in the other Warriors games, but there's no longer keep management, essentially. I mean, once you once you capture an outpost, it's yours. And there's not really much danger of it being... I've never had an outpost turn back. So there are some side missions that require you to keep an eye on your strong on your stronghold, like the allied base. But um, that's like the focus of the mission. So you just... I think there was one side mission where I kept having to go back and forth. It, it wasn't nearly as stressful as the first game. I, and I remember having, I think I had a lot more fun with this. It was a lot less frustrating. We didn't have those mission types where it was like, okay, go do these five things at once, but also make sure that your allied base is okay and character, you know, <laughs> we didn't have to worry about that. Um, and, and obviously, and I think, I think the objectives were made a lot more simple. Like Hyrule Warriors Legends and Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition, you now will have multiple objectives at once. And so you can have multiple characters go after those objectives and easily switch between them. So you can do kind of two things at once. You can multitask. But I also experimented with, or in some cases just plainly forgot and, and would play through an entire level as, as my main character, Link, and not even, you know, being kind of like, oh, I didn't really use my other character effectively. So that can happen. I mean, you can kind of just get through all the objectives yourself. I think you'll just get through those objectives a lot more quickly. But a lot of that stress of the first game of, oh, go make sure this, this, because th there would be like objectives that were time sensitive that were going on while you were doing your main objective. And it was kind of annoying because you'd have like some character, you know, some enemy faction that's not going to cause you to lose the game if you fail the objective. But, you know, you would, um, it, it would severely lose in your favor. And so it was really stressful to have like some kind of mission pop up and you're in the middle of doing something. And all your characters are tied up and busy doing this thing. And all of a sudden, oh, now I've got to make sure this character doesn't power up the other, the enemy faction's morale, you know? And so a lot of that has been removed in this game. And I think I had a better time with it. I mean, part of me kind of misses some of the strategizing. But again, there was just so much going on in a lot of the adventure mode missions in the first Hyrule Warriors game that I, I think that this game does a better job of, of being accessible and of being just more fun to play. And it, for me, like if I came across a mission that I kept failing over and over again, I would quit the mission. You know, sometimes I would try to use other characters who were at the recommended level for a mission, but it was just a little bit hard. So I had to quit the mission and just try it again later as link. But if I didn't feel like doing something, I just didn't do it. 
and I moved on to another side mission or I moved on to the story. And the story, like in the first Hyrule Warriors game, I think is structured well enough that you're not going to get too frustrated. It's really the side missions where are going to be the ones where you may have to quit and like replay that later or whatnot. There's not too much grinding. Like I said, if you're doing the side missions in between story missions, your characters are going to be at the right levels. And like the first Hyrule Warriors game, you can level up characters manually as well using rupees. So there's always going to be there's always going to be ways of making sure that your characters are prepared. And and I thought that the difficulty curve of the game was fair. You know, there were some parts of the game that are a little bit harder than others, but I never felt like extremely frustrated with it. If I wasn't having fun with a mission because I was do playing it over and over again, I just stopped playing that mission, you know? <laughs> and I would just come back to it later when my characters were higher level and it was much easier to do. So, like in the first Hyrule Warriors game, there is a lot going on. So, players, you know, a lot of casual gamers may be kind of overwhelmed by how much that there is to do. Like, as soon as you do a story mission, I swear the map sits there and you watch as, like, a dozen objectives pop up on the map <laughs> at one time. And you're like, what? what am I going to do with all that? And you're constantly getting new weapons and, and you're constantly giving new, new things that you can do, but you can also just kind of streamline this and play this exactly how you want to play it. Like I said before, even with, um, with like developing your weapons and leveling those up, there's an aspect of, you know, if you want to explore this and really get into the nitty gritty, you can do that. But if you don't want to, you can just fuck around and say, yeah, let me just, you know, fuse some weapons together and make this weapon more powerful. And you'll know that it's more powerful and you know that some random skills are being attached that will make things easier. That's kind of how I play it. But you can also develop a weapon exactly how you want to. And there are ways to go in and remove a skill and so that you can transfer the skills that you want on there. And there are like hidden skills that pop up for each weapon type. And it's actually really cool. I've looked, I've looked into the nitty gritty and to kind of what goes behind the scenes. Part of me does kind of want to get into it now, but at the same time, I was kind of trying to play through this game and get as much of, you know, the content as I could and just have a good time. And I did, I really did. I wholeheartedly recommend Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I think it's definitely something to, to check out. Um, it's on the Nintendo switch. So you'll need a Switch to play the game, but it's well worth its value, I would say. There's a lot of content. Just like the first Hyrule Warriors game, there is a lot to do. This game will keep you busy. And this may be kind of that game that sits in the background that you never fully 100% complete because there's just so much to do. But you could pick it up at any time and have fun with it. And, and all of the characters, I think, are interesting and are cool. And even some characters that I don't prefer as much as others and I don't really spend much time in, I, I, I don't have any problem with their, them as a character. You know, even my gripes about Zelda were just kind of like, like, I still had a fun time playing as her. I just, you know, it wasn't ne necessarily always my preference. The history of the royal family of Hyrule is also the history of Calamity Ganon, a primal evil that has endured over the ages. I think you are now ready. Ready to hear what happened 100 years ago.
I and I like I said before, the story was really cool. What else can we say about this? I mean, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. It, it is really a blast to play. I don't have another co-host, so <laughs> I don't have like interesting things that people could bring up, and I could be like, "Oh yeah, I want to talk about that." You know, <laughs> it's just me trying to think about it. But I, I, I've you know been playing the hell out of this. This has been the primary game that I've been playing for you know the last week or so, and. I almost never have gotten bored of it. I've never been like, yeah, I, I kind of don't really feel like playing this at the moment. Let me play something else. Like, there's always something to do constantly. You're always going to be able to jump into this game. And I'm really excited to see what happens with the DLC because there are some characters in the game that I feel like should be playable characters. And there's even evidence in the game's files. Like, people data mine and said, like, these characters were obviously meant to be playable. They're just not. And so a lot of people are saying, yeah, that's probably going to be DLC later. So, and I'm really excited to see Hyrule Warriors, the first game, actually did a good job with their DLC. A couple of those characters that are in the game that, like, are characters that have movesets that are established, and these are characters that I'm talking about, that fight were free DLC that came on. You had Sia, Volga, and Wizro, and they came in as free later, as, a, as an update to everyone, because, like, these characters should have been in the game. They just weren't. Um, or in the base game, and it was it was it was known. So there are some characters that are like that that I think are going to be, if not free DLC, I think that they'll still be well worth the money. And I'd be interested to see what kind of characters that they add. That's one thing that I was curious about. You know, is how many characters are going to be in this game? Because this focuses solely on the Breath of the Wild characters, right? So I, for years, have been thinking that they were going to do a Hyrule War Hyrule Warriors two. And essentially what they do is they take every character from the past game, you know, and add new characters and weapons and, and costumes and, and tweak things around a little bit. But they started, you know, Nintendo pulled a Nintendo and just built this from the ground up. This is a completely new game. Some characters' movesets do seem inspired by other movesets. Um, in particular, for instance, Link's one-handed moveset is pretty similar to his actual Hylian Sword and Master Sword moveset in Hyrule Warriors, but they're still different enough and incorporate things like shield surfing and, and an accessible bow that it, it feels different enough. You know, Impa's moveset kind of feels like Sheik's moveset. Uh, I've heard some people compare Zelda's, one of Zelda's movesets to Young Link and a certain character in this game to Zant's moveset. So... And, there are some that feel inspired, and you can see uh, Daruk, for instance, you know, kind of plays a lot like Darunia does. Mifa plays kind of a lot like Ruto does, but they're still their own movesets. Link is probably the closest, the character whose, whose moveset is, is almost like his previous moveset, but different enough. Also, the game itself is different. I mean, just the way the controls are different. In the first game, you had the choice between Zelda or Warriors controls. You're stuck with Warriors controls this time, which was kind of an adjustment for me. But even that was changed. Instead of having a uh, magic mode, which in the first game, you know, you had this magic meter, and when you enabled the magic mode, it was kind of a transformation that would enhance all your attacks. That's gone. Instead, every character now has a um, unique action that's a part of their moveset. And that's where I'm talking about how each character plays uniquely, is every character's unique action um, 
does different things. Kind of like in the first Hyrule Warriors game, strong attacks ended up being the mechanic by which characters did things other than, like strong attacks could be things that were other than attacks. Um, Age of Calamity has a few strong attacks that are like that, but they also have unique actions. So they really double down on that. So when I say that there are some characters that really play uniquely, that's what I mean. They have play styles that are, are just really interesting. For instance, Link's two-handed moveset you have uh, your unique action is actually uh, in place of your strong attack. So you can, at the end of a combo, use your use ZR instead of the X button, and it'll do an empowered version of the strong attack that um, is is much more powerful and can usually be chained, or, or in some of the combos can be chained, but it hurts Link a little bit, and he takes temporary damage. So the strong attack button is used to heal Link's temporary damage. That's a cool mechanic. With Link's one-handed moveset, his unique his his unique action is actually pulling out his bow and shooting a few arrows, which is an action that sometimes when you're playing as another character or weapon, you're going to miss because it's so useful. But I like that there's a dedicated bow, you know, to the ZR, which which was weapon which was items in the last game. Items in this game have been replaced with the Sheikah Slate, just like in Breath of the Wild. So this game took what how Hyrule Warriors married Dynasty Warriors with Zelda. This game marries Dynasty Warriors with Breath of the Wild. And makes and a lot of the differences between this game and the original Hyrule Warriors are very similar to differences between the fundamental Zelda games since Ocarina of Time and Breath of the Wild. So there, there, there is a lot of that. Um, the UI, the sound effects, the map, the freaking actual weapons in the game are all from Breath of the Wild. You know, um, every weapon that's available in Breath of the Wild is in Age of Calamity. And, and Link's moveset is cool because I, I think I was talking about this earlier, but every character has three tier weapons except for Link. Link has the entire arsenal of Breath of the Wild <laughs> aside from a few different ones like the champions have their weapons and, and some lower tier variants that were given to them. You know what's funny is I had envisioned that the champions would be characters in Bre in Hyrule Warriors too, like they were obvious characters. They already had established weapons, and they were important to the storyline. And you know there were some characters that had movesets that were similar, so that they wouldn't be drawing off of nothing. You know they'd have a little bit to work off of. And my assumption was always that since in Breath of the Wild there was a three tier system with you know each divine each each uh, champion's weapon. So Daruk has the Boulder Breaker, and then there's also the Stone Smasher and Cobble Crusher as lower tier variants. So Cobble Crusher, Stone Smasher, Boulder Breaker. Um, for Rivali, he has his Great Eagle Bow. So there's the Swallow Bow, Falcon Bow, Great Eagle Bow. Um, for uh, the Gerudo, you have the Gerudo Scimitar, Moonlight Scimitar, and Urbosa's weapon, the Scimitar of the Seven, and her Shield Day Daybreaker, which has... Also, I think Gerudo and Radiant Shield as lower tier. Mifa had the, uh, there was the Zora Spear, Silver Scale Spear, and Light Scale Trident. And also the Ceremonial Trident, which was a copy of the Light Scale, which is um, it's a replica that's not as powerful. And final one, uh, Rivali. No, I already did Rivali. Mifa, Daru, Rivali, Urbosa. I said all of them, didn't I? Okay. 
Yeah. So already there was a three-tier system that was perfect for Hyrule Warriors. So I was already waiting for that. And funny enough, they tweaked it a little bit. <laughs> uh, Daruk and Urbosa are the only characters who have their three tiers exactly that way. There are some other characters who get the um, who get some of the other like of what would, what would have been Rivali's weapons and what would have been more on that later. And the ceremonial trident also comes in, or not more on that later. I'm not I'm not revealing it. That's that's the answer. <laughs> I, I was just kind of you know geeking out there for a second but I, I i i thought that that structure was actually perfect and they even tweaked that a little bit so <laughs> make of that what you will i was off on a tangent earlier but i, I was saying yeah how every character has a unique move set and how the how the control system has changed right so you have the the sheikah slate the runes and every character can use the sheikah slate runes not just Link or not just Zelda. And Zelda has the Sheikah Slate as one of her weapons, which incorporates some of the runes. It's interesting. You should check out her moveset. But in place of the items, which is makes sense. You know, the original Hyrule Warriors added Zelda items in. Classic Zelda items like the bow, bombs, boomerang, and, and hookshot. And obviously where Breath of the Wild replaced items with the Sheikah Slate runes, so did Age of Calamity. So every character has access to Remote Bob, Cryonis, Stasis, and Magnesis. And what's really cool is every character uses those runes differently. So, for instance, like with Cryonis, Link pulls the Cryonis up under his feet. Other characters will put will shoot like an ice pillar in front of them, or they'll shoot like a few pillars in front of them or they'll shoot ice spikes down or they'll have like ice pillars moving. There's one character that's ice pillars move three ice pillars moving around him like Mario Kart style when you get a triple weapon <laughs> or triple item. So uh, some characters use stasis and then have an attack that's built into their stasis that breaks it. Um, so Link will throw several remote bombs in a row, and some characters will throw like a giant remote bomb or, you know, launch a remote bomb into the air. Magnesis can be used in different ways, too. There's different patterns. So I really liked what they did with making every character feel unique, even that their items were used differently. Because in the first Hyrule Warriors, every character had access to the same items, but they were all used exactly the same. Uh, the other thing that has replaced items, so R is for Sheikah Slate, runes l is for rods which honestly should have been reversed because in hyrule warriors l was the there was the sheikah slate rune button and r was the button for throwing which when you had rods that's how you use them was using r so it kind of seems like those should have been flipped but whatever l is used and, and it's and instead of having to select an item and then use you know l or r to use it now you hold down one of those one of those trigger buttons or one of those bumper buttons and you press one of the face buttons so it's it's r plus a for cryonis hold down r and press b for magnesis right so when you hold down l you now have access to uh fire rods ice rods and lightning rods and instead of being weapons in the game like they are in breath of the wild that exhaust over time um instead they have their own like separate meters so when you collect um, fire rod ammo <laughs> or ice rod ammo after defeating like fire enemies or ice enemies or electric enemies you and it's not just whiz revs like uh, all of the other super uh, charged characters in the game like Lizalfos are here plus 
you know, there's also elemental moblins and Lynels and guardians. They literally, and, and Henoxes. they literally took every enemy type in this game and made elemental versions of them. And, and I think that that was a fantastic way to do it. <laughs> but once you collect their ammo, then you can use and the elemental weaknesses return. So fire enemies are weak to ice and ice enemies are weak to fire. Um, the lightning, there's no enemies that seem to be weak to lightning, but you can take advantage of. And so, for instance, fire rods are effective when you're on grass. And like in Breath of the Wild, they'll light all the grass on fire. And so they'll have the area of effect is bigger and they behave as if your 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 um lightning and ice work better in bodies of water. And in fact, Cryonis will freeze enemies now if you use it next to an enemy while they're in water. So that there's a lot of really cool effects here. And I think Magnesis has kind of an electric effect that works as well. And, and remote bombs have kind of a, a kind of a fire effect. So lightning also works like in breath of the wild on, um, in, in, in the rain and on, uh, metal objects. So you can use that to your effect to increase it. So there's a lot to play around with here. Another thing that's new, um, I mean, the weak point gauge returns, but there's different ways of bringing that up now and, and weakening enemies to bring up their weak point gauge, which is cool. Using the rods is one way to do it. And now, instead of automatically doing a finisher, you press a button to do a finisher, which, I don't know, for some reason makes it more satisfying to do. Like, you press the strong attack button to initiate a finisher, right? You don't have to, but you can. and it's So it's really cool, like, wearing down an enemy's weak point gauge. Oh, flurry attacks from Breath of the Wild are here. And they automatically bring up the weak point gauge. So that was a fantastic addition, was adding the flurry attacks from Breath of the Wild. And every character can do them. I think the timing is, is a lot harder to do, though, than in Breath of the Wild. Like, you have to do right at the last second. Um, I did have a little bit of difficulty with that. So there's, there's a lot that's new here. This game... You know, it takes the core concept of Hyrule Warriors in the sense of marrying Hyrule, marrying Dynasty Warriors to Zelda in this game, in this case, a particular Zelda. But other than that, this game was built from the ground up, which is a very Nintendo thing to do. <laughs> they didn't reuse like any assets. Well, I think they reused assets for Breath of the Wild, but they created like a new game instead of taking Hyrule Warriors like we thought they would and just adding on to it. They're like, no, fuck that. We're creating a new game. And now they're like, yeah, we don't know if we'll make another Hyrule Warriors. We've kind of been there, done that. You know, <laughs> they're not even about like making money or any, you know, obviously they're about making money, but it doesn't feel like they're milking anything. They're like, yeah, we want to do an idea like if we have a good idea for it. And so they didn't want to, even though Hyrule Warriors sequel seemed inevitable and it seemed like an obvious way to capitalize on the success of the first one, they weren't like, oh yeah, we'll make a Hyrule Warriors sequel. No, they were like, oh yeah. And this is exactly the way they said it. We were looking in and wanted to tell the story of what happened during the Calamity. And we just thought that the Hyrule Warriors gameplay would be perfect for that. So that's why we did this. So it wasn't even like, oh, yeah, like a lot of people liked Hyrule Warriors and wanted a sequel, so we did it. Or, oh, yeah, we, we thought it was obvious that we needed to make a sequel. No, they were like, yeah, we liked what this team did, and so we decided to ask them to come back to tell the story that we wanted to tell. And I got to really respect Nintendo for being that way. <laughs> God, I have a lot more to say about this on my own than I thought I would. This is good. This is good. So, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is awesome. And I could probably come up with even more things to say about it. And when I end the podcast, I'm probably going to be like, oh, I didn't even bring this part up or, or say that. But, God, there is so much to do. Uh, the Korok seeds are back. 
there you can collect those during some of the levels and you have to replay levels and you know go through them again to kind of find some of those i haven't done all of those yet there are no shrines obviously oh divine beasts you can play as the divine beasts and they're fun those are fun levels it kind of does break the pace a little bit you know and allow you to kind of do something else for a little bit they're not great i mean i would say that some of the divine beast levels are kind of like yeah this is you know that is that is uh cool or interesting you know it, it kind of is just like a little simulator but it's fun it's fun it break it definitely breaks the action up a little bit and lets you try something else for a little bit and and be powerful and, and feel the might of the divine beast and you really do and you feel how powerful each of those characters are because you're playing as each one of these characters against an entire army, you know, hordes of enemies and, and slashing through them. And, and yeah, and in a lot of ways, it doesn't make sense that Link is like so much more fucking powerful than he was in Breath of the Wild, but whatever. <laughs> and it, it is really, really, really interesting to get. Again, I can't say this enough. I love playing as every single different character in the game. And and you utilizing you know all of learning all of their combos, learning how to play as them. There's one character I can't say I can't say their name, but they have like a power up mechanic where their unique action powers them up, and specifically powers up a combo. And so you have to, you know, and it's randomized when you hit the the, the ZR button, it randomizes you know it it. it powers up a random combo and gives you a, a color indication showing you which combo it is. And then you go and you can, you do that combo and it's more powerful. I thought that that character was really, really cool. A Rivali is a lot of fun to play as because you can use, you can take to the air and he has different combos in the air than he has on the ground. And, and Herbosa is cool because you can use Herbosa's fury. All the divine, that was the other thing I was going to say was the divine, uh, the champions were, uh, obvious choices because of their divine abilities or their their champions abilities would obviously be easily incorporated into their movesets and they are here Daruk's protection uh is is available and is used in in Daruk's moveset or Bosa's fury obviously is used um Rivali's gale is used as he flies up into the air Mifa's grace is even used where you can heal yourself and other characters through some of your attacks so they did a really, really good job of incorporating all of that. So the characters that are marketed in the game that we already know about the promotional material, I guess I've talked about uh, Link, Zelda, Impa, and the champions. So you'll have to play to find out who else is in this game because there are other characters in this game and and they are phenomenal and they are really cool to play as. And I was kind of wary because I didn't know how they were going to do it. I think I was I was on to this point earlier and I got off on a topic. But the first Hyrule Warriors game has like some crazy ass like 40 something characters or something. I over time they added up. And it kind of it's funny because originally I think the original game only had something like less than 15 characters with like 20 moves that's between them, you know. So and this game has I think like yeah, the same thing like like 13 characters with like 21 move sets between them or something. So it doesn't seem like a lot compared to the roster, but compare it to the original roster. And they literally did every character that they could. And I'm glad that they did. And they found really inventive and creative ways. Because I was I was thinking, I was like, how many characters from Breath of the Wild can you add in this? I mean, you've got Link and Zelda and you've got the champions. Like, who the fuck else are you going to put in the game? Oh, well, there's Empa. She's old in Breath of the Wild. So she was young in 100 years ago. Okay. 
boom, instant move set. And you'll be surprised at what other characters make it into the game as well. You really will. I think that, that that it was really inventive. And even if it was just like Link and Zelda and the, and the champions, I mean, that's enough as it is. I honestly feel overwhelmed by how many different movesets that there are to play as. So make of that what you will, you know? I was I was wary and I, I, was, I was worried about how many, you know, characters were going to be in the game. And I actually feel overwhelmed with the amount of characters that are in the game. So... <laughs> I guess that's all there is to say about it for now, but I really enjoyed Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. If you want to know more about it, if you want to know more about the story, you want to get deeper into the gameplay and, and some, know what some of the other characters are, I reckon highly recommend going and getting the game. It's, you know, it's available on the eShop. You can uh, order it on Amazon or, you know, if you feel safe going to a store and picking it up, I guess do that. I I just got it digitally uh, like i do all games now and i pre-ordered it and i was hyped up for it eagerly awaiting it and i was not disappointed at all um in fact i think the game is is better than i expected it to be and, and i and it's hard for me to to say because i was expecting it to be awesome and i had a, a blast with it i thought this was better than the first game you know and even with the first game i guess technically having more content i i'm still you know Wanting to go, I still want to go and play this one because the content, you know, it's quality over quantity. And yet there still is a lot of quantity. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, and, and when they add DLC, ooh, it, 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 it honestly could get as big as the first game. And and the content is better. I'm, absolutely. So um, I was a huge fan of Hyrule Warriors, the first game, and I thought Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity blew it out of the water. I think it's an awesome game for any fan of Zelda or Breath of the Wild to play. I thought that, you know, they, they did the logical extrapolation of... Because I think that was one, one question that went through my mind was, well, Breath of the Wild completely changed the Zelda formula, and that came out after the first Hyrule Warriors. Like, how are they going to address that in the next Hyrule Warriors? I mean, are they just going to continue with traditional Zelda? Or because Breath of the Wild is supposed to be the new Zelda... And that's what they did. They made a Breath of the Wild Hyrule Warriors, and it's awesome. <laughs> but uh, I had a lot of fun playing it. I had a lot of fun talking about it. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on your preferred podcast platform. Leave us feedback. You can find Collateral Gaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, Chill Lover Radio, pandora wherever you get your podcasts at our rss feed is on podbean that's collateralgaming.podbean.com that's uh if there's an official website that's our official website we are on all social media did i say that already facebook twitter instagram uh collateral cinema we are going to be doing a collaboration with collateral cinema talking about the mortal Kombat movie and there is more mortal Kombat goodness to come we're going to be talking about a Mortal Kombat game come January, and we're going to be talking about the new movie coming out in January. So this is all kind of tying in together. Collateral Cinema, also, we just released our episodes out on... So the last two episodes were Spider-Man 3 and Life of Brian. And I, we had a great time with that. We're going to be doing Mortal Kombat here in a couple days. The Last of Us Part 2. Yes, I know I'm, we're late on it, but we are literally recording that today. As of the time of this recording, that's being recorded today. So those these episodes should be out, you know, near around the same time. 
And so don't worry about that. Last of Us Part 2 is coming out. And then next month, we're going to be talking about our holiday special on the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. There was a little pause for a dramatic effect there. Kind of put a drum roll in there. I'm not going to put it in post, but you can you can you can imagine the drum roll in your head. And then we're going to be doing our holiday special on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And then yes, we're we're talking about Mortal Kombat after that. A Mortal Kombat game. I'm not going to tell you which one. You'll find out later. But uh but yeah, that's it. And if you didn't check out our other game launch episode out on Spider-Man Miles Morales, we just released that this month. Zach and I had an absolute blast. Another game where you know, we have to keep comparing it to its predecessor because the predecessor was so fucking good. And this game took that and expanded on it, you know? And so <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that, too. That's another spoiler-free review that you can go check out right now. Um, I guess that's all we have. But if you uh, enjoy this, by all means, keep listening. Keep waiting for more content. And that being said, I'm Ashley Chancellor. This is Collateral Gaming. We are out. Collateral Gaming is an L Company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor. <laughs>